Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Open Minded. Today we talk with Oliver Long, who's the director of Iron Gate Marketing. We talk about the mindset needed to run a business, a bit about his business background, how he set up his company, and we also talk about the mindset needed for marketing, getting clients, managing clients, seizing opportunities. We also talk about Ollie's foundation of becoming successful and building routines into your life. We hope that you enjoy this week's episode. If you find some value in it, please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Let's go a little bit into your background what led you to what you do now, a bit about your expertise and kind of, you know, just what led you to where you are today. Mm, okay, cool, yeah. So I mean, what I'm doing right now is is I run a social media marketing agency. So what we mean sort of by that is, you know, we work with, with businesses, service-based business, um, and we basically just run profitable, optimized Facebook, Instagram, Google campaigns, that sort of thing generate them revenue and obviously provide that sort of hand in hand, um, well, business service, I suppose. In terms of sort of where and how I got into what we're, what we're sort of gonna go into, I think, let me just take you back really to, to school, to sort of college. Um, you know, we're all on social media. You know, we're, you know, I'm 24 now, jumped onto Instagram, Facebook from a really young age. And I yeah. think personally, Depends on what your angle is uh, when you sort of, you know, use these platforms. But I always saw it as some sort of money making opportunity. There's a lot of people that you can access in one place. And, you know, even if we're not just talking about Instagram, Facebook, that sort of thing, you can look at, you know, any sort of online platform where you've got that mass audience. Somehow you can monetize that. And obviously not just for Instagram's own incentives, but for your own. And so I think as you sort of use Instagram, you use Facebook growing up in that, you know, generation sort of Z, so to speak, era, um, I just sort of came across opportunities. And obviously, I don't need to go into too much depth on, you know, some of the, the crap you see on social media nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, that is sort of what stemmed, you know, what I've got into, I feel. And it's, it's... How old were you when you sort of realised that this is going to make me money? I was young. I was young, so you know. As I said, you 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 use these platforms. You see people, you know, you see people making money. You know, you see that now. You see people traveling the world. It is a place to show off. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it is a place that inspires. I feel, and that inspired me to sort of look into, you know, how can I make money online? You know, if I've got a thousand followers, two thousand followers, fifty thousand followers, how am I going to monetize that? How am I going to find more of 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 those followers, those audiences, if I'm making money from what I've already got how am I going to go ahead and find more of those and so that's what sort of just tricked me into just delving into the digital marketing space Facebook advertising space um, and that's sort of where my first sort of social media role so to speak came up when I was around 14 15 years old uh, and that was affiliate marketing so I mean you know a couple of the guys yeah. that, um, that are in that sort of space and it was all through um, through college, you know, there was just these group of lads that were always just sort of, don't get me wrong, studying away and stuff, but in, in frees and spares and stuff, they were always just sat at their desks, laptops, on their phones, like sending messages. And 
you know, you build up a sense of curiosity, don't you? So, yeah. So, you know... So it's I, the people who you were around then? It was. I wouldn't say around. It was more, I'm just a curious guy. <clears throat> my, friends at, my friends at college had quite a mixed sort of, you know, friend group. Even now, um, in you know, doing what I do, I've still got a very sort of separated group of friends. And yeah. we'll get into that, I feel, because yeah. there's a lot of different uh, mindsets that are within those specific um, groups, respectively. But... Yeah, back at college, it was just about sort of just seeing what other people are doing, understanding and sort of figuring out, well, why are they doing that? What are they achieving? And how the fuck can I make it better and do it better than what, you know, do better than what they're doing? So, I mean, yeah, started affiliate marketing and that was just very basic stuff. It was just, you know, outreach, social media based, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just, you know, hammering home um, to, you know, the specific target audience that we were, we were targeting. Uh, in terms of, you know, what we can provide, selling services, selling courses, you know, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Don't want to go into too much depth on that because um, there's quite a lot of, there's quite a lot of mixed views on on that sort of business model nowadays. Yeah. But, um, but that's certainly what sort of just, you know, lit that spark. Um, and then from just being in that Facebook, Instagram space, understanding, you know, ways of reaching out to people, for example, outreach methods, scripts, you know, and, and so much comes in um, to, you know, the actual level of detail that you have to sort of go into and test to understand, you know, how am I going to get results? What is the best script for this audience? What is the best sort of, you know, wording structure? What is the best maybe follow up periods and so on? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sort of woofing a little bit now, but that's sort of that's you, sort of my my sort of you know initial background of getting into marketing and affiliate marketing. It must have been a bit of like a realization of like human psychology as well wasn't it is that kind of where you were kind of like it's it's in many aspects it is in terms of you know it's one thing just jumping on social media and trying to start a business and start selling something but when you want to sort of you know bring sort of you know a bit more substance um an actual a bit more longevity into that business absolutely you've got to start thinking about right who are my consumers who are my target audience and then you've got a as you said, in a way, sort of get in their heads, think how they think, you know, if I'm going to be reaching out to someone um, to sell them, maybe, you know, a service-based business, even now, you know, you've got to think about what sort of time am I reaching out to them? What are they doing in their day-to-day life? What mm. is their role, for example? Are they a director? Are they just, you know, a, I don't know, staff member, for example? Um, and then once you sort of, you know, put yourself in their position a little bit more and understand perhaps... It's also more about, you know, their needs. Are they even in a position to want and to need, you know, your services, whether it is digital marketing, whether it is affiliate marketing, whether it is, you know, any other sort of niche. So there's a lot of psychology behind it. And there's a lot of psychology, I think, in the in the paid advertising, the real sort of targeting behind that. But um, I'll go into a little bit more depth on that when we get onto sort of client stuff, I think. Mm. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a bit of a whirlwind. I'll be honest, like it is a bit of a whirlwind in terms of when I first got into that social media marketing space, doing affiliate marketing, which is a little bit different to obviously what we do today. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of that transition really over four or five years into founding the company that mm. we've got today. Um, so how long did you do the affiliate marketing for? I know you don't want to go too much into detail. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I was 14, 15 when I first sort of got into it, first sort of understood, you know, damn, there's a bit of cash to be made here if you get your head down and you do sort of you know pump out some good work you will see some some pretty decent results and i think a term that's going to be used a lot 
in in this chat i think is, is consistency consistency mm. is the bottom line in my opinion the foundational you know main rule of thumb with whatever you're doing you know you can have the dream you can have the big idea and you can have like the sort of the the monday morning motivation to start it but if you're not going to find that level of consistency you're not going to finish it are you really you're not going to finish it so for me yeah discipline yeah and, and discipline and all these things come into it and i think um yeah so just to answer your question 1415 got into that sort of affiliate marketing space um and it was sort of for did that for about three or four years uh on and off don't get me wrong part-time work as well um, and did you get approached for that or did you find it I ran out of my way, spoke to people, talking to people. Um, and as it happens, you know, it was just a case of talking to someone and said, you know, I think I might have a few friends that may be interested in what you're doing. Uh, and that was really what sort of lit that spark, both sides, both for them and for myself to say, look, I've already got you a couple of customers here. And if this goes well, I can find you a few more. And then that's where that affiliate marketing concept came into play. Um, and then I was given... Uh, Facebook account uh, no a Twitter account it was uh, with mass mass following it was already within my niche so I'd already sort of had maybe 30-40% of my job done for me in terms of I've already got this sort of level of trust I'm, I've got a page it's got some sort of substance behind it um, and that was just when it yeah that was when I sort of just thought this is this is really what I want to do man like if there's money to be made I can work from anywhere Mm. that's good so yeah that was what really stemmed it um so you made a bit of money there and then mm. um how long did it take you to get into the the next bit so it was more it was more just i always knew i wanted to go to uni and that was for completely personal reasons it was more just i was the first one in my family to go to uni so i'd always oh, wanted okay. to go to uni so that was always going to be on the agenda but i was always doing my affiliate marketing stuff you know along the side i was always that guy sat in the back of the room on his phone working doing something to somehow generate myself income. Um, and so it just got to the point where like, I was doing this so much at uni. Um, and this isn't so much affiliate marketing because when I went to uni, I had that sort of transition again where you know I did notice I'm actually pretty handy with, with advertising as well, Facebook, Instagram ads. And so I initially just started off alongside uni, walking into bars, clubs, restaurants, just saying, look, you know, how's your, how's your footfall? what's your weekly numbers and then if I sort of see any any sort of potential you know opportunity there to, to increase those figures and if I feel confident enough to do so you know don't get me wrong I'm not walking into businesses and sort of just telling them what they want to hear so I can you know get some sort of work in in, in place with them but it was more if I genuinely feel like you know I can help these guys I just stop you know I just pitch to them uh, and you know if you if you pitch enough enough numbers you're going to get one or two that, that turn around and say, you know, fuck it, we'll give you a go. And that's really where the advertising side also came into it. But um but that was a lot more that was a lot more independent. You know, I wasn't I wasn't trading as any sort of company. It was just Ollie, the trading uh, the the uh, advertising guy sort of thing. Um and so, you know, and that went well. I did build up a I did build up a fairly sort of small but very sort of consistent in terms of the results and obviously the feedback I was getting um, sort of you know client range and so that's what sort of what stemmed it on um, what sort of st that's what, what sort of stemmed it on from there to be uh, to be quite honest but um, but no as I said uni I think <clears throat> the, the uni sort of side of things and and what that sort of showed me was 
as I said before, this independence, I think, is, is quite a key quite a key factor uh, in what uni taught me uh, and during my experience at uni. And don't get me wrong, I've got my degree. I've got all of that uh, in marketing, obviously. But you got your degree and you, you were doing all oh, of yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That's I've amazing. got a degree. I mean, yeah. I, don't even, I don't even think about that. I'll yeah. be honest. You completely forget, you know, yeah, I've got a degree in marketing. I can't remember the last time I told someone that. Yeah. I'll be absolutely honest. I mean, it's not even... It's not even something that I'll mention to, to clients. It's not something that we get asked now. You know, I'm in a sales call, to be honest with you. I don't even get asked, what qualifications do you have? The proof is in our results, but- Yeah, uh, and if you, you were to hire someone, would you expect that? Again, I'm a people person. You have to have, um, you know, for me, it's what I see in someone is a lot more valuable than what's on a piece of paper. Mm. Uh, and I think, I think that's, a concept that's probably developed a lot more in today's sort of society and in business today, where it's a lot more about, you know, what you see and what they put in, as opposed to, because, you know, someone could have just made a mistake at uni, you know, they could have, they could have cocked up, they could have maybe not done quite as well, they may have been going through some shit, and, you know, uni is not the sort of thing you just start again and try again, you know, it costs and so on, so... So I'm sort of, you know, I'm not someone that says you need to have, you know, a 2-1 or 2-2 two two in, in marketing, in, in this, in that, to be able to talk to us. No way. No way. Um, I'm definitely a very strong believer in, in sort of, you know, what you see is what you get, as opposed to sort of, you know, taking into account crap on a piece of paper, mm. to be quite frank with you. But um, what do you think the biggest things that you learned from uni then was? It is just that, it's that, it's that level of, independence i think um you know going going to uni previously lived at home naturally with mum with dad you know with my brother you've got that support circle day in day out you had a bad day you have a good day mum's there dad's there you know they're there to sort of pick you up support you which which you know i really valued and, and appreciated as, as, as a child but you go to uni and it's just a completely different ball game you know you, you live at home for example you can't just pop out and socialize with your mates at, at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, because your mum's like, no, you've got to be in bed sort of thing. You're at uni now, you know, you can go and do whatever you want. You know, changing freedom straight it away. Is, it is, you know, I think it's a shock to a lot of systems, a lot of systems going to uni because you're almost under this, almost like invisible, uh, you know, almost under this sort of invisible sort of set of rules at home where, you know, you wouldn't expect to be able to go out at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, depending on, you know, your upbringing and your, your parents and stuff. But you go to uni, man, and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, literally, you can do what the fuck you want. You can, you know, oh, I don't even want to get into it, but yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of distractions. I think that's what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of distractions and you then need to have a lot of self-control. You've got yeah. to have a lot of sort of, I think self-discipline as well is, is, is a, a really important 18 one. 18-year-olds don't have. And a lot of, well, yeah, 17, 18-year-olds, they do not have that. And I mean, you know, I enjoyed my first year at uni, don't get me wrong, but um, I think after that year, that was when I sort of was like, you know, this ain't, this ain't going on for three years, man. You know, this ain't going on for three years. I'm really going to sort of get my head down now, smash out this uni shit. But more, more importantly, I want to set myself straight in terms of, you know, business-wise um, and so on. So... Where do you think you got that from? Because I feel like me and other people, I didn't go to uni probably for that biggest reason of the fact that I didn't really have that discipline and I knew that I just wanted to sort of run riot. 
and I would have just wasted it. I couldn't even fill in the application. Well, as soon as I looked at it, so I was, we were at college in the tutor group and the tutor was like, right, this is the application. So I'm fucking filling that out. <laughs> that was the end of my uni career. I mean, for me, if you mean like that sort of, that drive, that sort of desire to, to just succeed, really, I suppose, uh, definitely stemmed from my parents. I come from a very, very hardworking family very very uh respectful and obviously um well you know i'm i'm you know i'm very lucky to have you know parents the, the parents that i have so they're very hard working my dad you know he starts work three four in the morning the guy finishes at 6 p.m that's a pretty long day uh, and when you're growing up having your dad obviously literally come home at six he's about for maybe an hour or two and then he's in bed because you know he's getting up again at two three o'clock every day it just obviously hammers it into your head and i'm like these guys actually are really hard working people now you know i don't have that sort of incentive of having a limited upbringing or anything like that so i think it's that hard work and sort of desire from my parents that's really sort of shone through on myself and you want to do your parents proud man don't you as well you know you want to give back in any way that you can so you know it's I think that's that's probably my biggest factor is is family and you know they're just my whole family is just such a hard-working family my cousins you know they all they all sort of share my uh share my opinion on it i'm sure but yeah it's just i want to be able to give back to them man uh once all of this is that. once once all of this is said and done um because i didn't even see half of the work that they've had to put in obviously before i was around to be able to put me in some of the, you know, positions I've been in, school, you know, that sort of thing. So, and then obviously uni, you know, I ultimately put that down to my parents. You know, they're the people that did push me, that did give me those opportunities to get myself to uni. And, you know, that whole journey, things pop up and things come and go. And that's where the affiliate marketing comes from. And that's where, you know, the, the you know, even trading briefly, you know, look, looking into cryptos and that sort of thing, you know, it all sort of stems just from my family being very, very hardworking. And, and my dad's a smart guy as well. You know, he's, in, he's into his sort of crypto investments and that sort of thing. So, so yeah. They all switched on. Very switched on. I think my dad's definitely the, the switched on guy and he's the one that I get that sort of business edge from 100%, 100%. But then I think my people skills, definitely my mum. Definitely my mum uh, in terms of people skills. And I can talk to anyone. She can talk to anyone. I think probably the biggest limitation from that is the ability to say no in certain situations. I'd say I'm a very big people person. My mum's an even bigger people person, but you know, even she struggles to say no and in business which is a completely different concept but in business having that limitation of of struggling to sort of just put your foot down and say no to people can cause problems man oh, it can cause problems uh, and that's something that i've sort of learned uh definitely learned over time from from being both affiliate marketing uh you know digital marketing with with iron gate and then the property side of things um as well We'll get onto that, but um, but yeah, I think what you said there is is like a formidable balance between people mm -hmm. skills and work ethic and consistency and a business edge. That is kind of like the biggest blessing to get from your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that is the one you, you that you can yeah. talk to anyone that you understand the consistency, the work ethic. So that's 
that's amazing that you had that from your parents from from a very young age fortunate, as well. Yeah, very fortunate, and I don't ever sort of hide that or, or any or any sense. So you know, uh, very fortunate. But you know, if you get that sort of opportunity, you get that sort of slight leg up. You're going to take it, and you're going to maximise, yeah, and, and, and and you're going to grab that opportunity, mm. you know, to the best of your ability. So, so yeah, and, and yeah, that, that's that's where it stems from, really, man. Um, and then obviously being in you know the generation that we're in, having a family, it's very old school. I think that also slightly stemmed the fact that I also saw an opportunity for my own family's business to potentially develop there in the online space. You know, their website didn't exist you know yeah. three four years ago they didn't exist on facebook and instagram three or four years ago and now they've got a website they've got facebook instagram they're on google they're on youtube and i don't need to say you know what company manages their ads and so on <laughs> but um but yeah you know i think it's a lot of what your experience it's a lot about experiences that you sort of have in your upbringing that really do tailor that mindset i think personally yeah 100 that's why it took me so long to get to this mindset. I had to sort of work out myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been it's it's been difficult, but like it's just so nice to hear because that's like what I want to instill in my little brother and my little sister and when I have a family one day that you actually took that on for yourself and you used it mm. and you didn't waste it. And then you're also so like you, you say like, oh, I'm grateful for that. Do you know what I mean? That's like a big thing yeah. as well. The fact that you're actually grateful for it. Because I feel like a lot of people have that and then they just sort of, oh, whatever. And then, or they, they get up to a, a great position and then they, it's like, oh, it's all me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <clears throat> I know exactly what you mean, I think. I think um, each to their own, but I think, you know, especially with us and it, it goes further than just sort of, you know, in business, I suppose, but in that business sense, absolutely having you know acknowledgement for your team for the people that, that that are there not only supporting you in a business sense but you know mentally personally i think that's that's really really important and you know even even with our company you know my business partner he's not just my business partner you know this guy's my friend you know this guy if i've got a problem i'm going to talk to him um you know if i'm if i'm concerned about anything if i'm you know even upset you know I have the ability, I'm, I'm in that blessed position to be working with, with one of my best friends. So life's not too bad in that sense. Yeah. But but obviously, you know, it's it's all about acknowledgement and, you know, just making sure that your team know that, that you know, they are sort of, you know, loved, respected and, and, and so on. But um, yeah, too many people, I think, sort of take the line right for themselves once they've got sort of past that sort of, you know, intended um sort of level i think people tend to sort of just forget about the people that were there you know mm. but after that um that first year you said you had a little bit of fun or whatever in uni like what were the steps that you took after that to like really make your way towards what you are now i think it's it's it, it a lot of it comes down to routine you know as i said uni is a big big change in terms of your freedom in terms of your day-to-day -day life because you're now in control you're in full control you know you're not even being told to go to uni you know you could literally not turn up for the whole year and you might get maybe one two or three emails saying where are you but you haven't got anyone there to say look get up off your ass and get into uni so that's where a lot of people 
have their downfalls. So, you know, after that sort of first initial year, you're getting used to it. You are having a little bit of fun. You're making friends, obviously, and stuff. Second year, you've got that foundation. So for me, it was just about getting that day-to-day routine patterned down to the sort of pin in terms of, you know, what is my day consistent of? That balance of uni, that balance of, you know, personal work, personal, you know, the social media stuff. Um, and then potentially just time for self-development, that sort of thing. Um, one thing I did find in my sort of second and third year of uni, well, it was in the second year, um, my morning routine sort of changed quite a bit where, you know, things like cold showers came into play. Saunas, I can't vouch for saunas enough in, in my personal opinion when it comes to de-stressing and actually getting you ready for the day ahead. Nice cold ice bath followed by the sauna really did help me just sort of just get that clarity every single morning you wake up this is what i'm doing today you know this is what this is what we're looking to achieve this is what i've got to do this is what i've got to submit you know it could be anything um but that sort of morning morning routine of you know a nice early start a nice ice bath shower obviously like gym session whatever um was always was always sort of a big factor for me in terms of just changing that sort of student university sort of lifestyle because it's easy to slip and slide down that and you know don't get me wrong I had friends that that still went out loads and partied and have a great time and still got great results somehow but <laughs> those sort of people are just wizards aren't they really yeah. like I don't really know <laughs> don't really know how they do it but yeah, um, not me. but yeah it's just about getting that initial routine in place so you know you wake up clear mind clarity and just having you know just blocked off slots in your day for certain tasks it sounds really basic but even now running a business that's probably the most important sort of aspect of of my day-to-day life is organization making sure that you know i am on time that i can make certain sales calls that i can submit you know certain case studies work whatever it may be for the company on time and obviously following people up and you don't have a schedule if you're not organized you're not going to get anything done and that goes for life and business and anything really isn't it so so yeah, it was just Building getting foundation. Yeah, it was just about getting that day to day routine. Um and then just staying consistent. And that's it. <laughs> to be quite clear. To be to, to be quite frank, it's just consistency in that in that day to day routine. So, you know, you do have to say no to a pub night and you have to say no to a lot of them at uni. And don't get me wrong, you know, you still do go out, you still need to have that social life, but it is a balance, isn't it? You've got to have a balance and I think, um, yeah, in my second year, that's when I really did start to try and focus on that. Um, How long did it yeah. take until you start got it, start getting like real good results? Uh, what do you mean by results? Do you mean with Iron Gate or with uni in general? Just, or from, just like, from life? Just from life, the mindset of like, I'm going to crack on and build this foundation and then like how far how long did it take you to like when did you see keep... like the fruits of your labor in that yeah i think it was it's quite a difficult question i think it was more in myself mm. you know in your when you're when you're going out having fun and stuff with your friends you know at the time it was the first time i've ever done something like that so it was it was a really weird sort of position to be in, just always sort of going out having fun making friends um and so really just I don't know. It's quite a, it's quite a difficult, um, quite a difficult question. But it's, I think it's just about you know, going back to what I said before, self-discipline, being able to say no at certain times, certain situations, 
and then thinking, all right, cool, I'm sacrificing what three or four hours of 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 snooker and pool with my mates or the cinema or whatever you know social event they're doing i'm sacrificing that now but what is that three four hours going to do for me in the future you know how far ahead am i getting now on these guys while they're sat watching transformers in the fucking cinema or something you know what i mean so i think it's more you know not so much worry about you know what you're missing out on but you know what you're getting ahead with so to speak i love that but but yeah, I think that's probably probably sort of uh, where I'm at, yeah. Mm. I think one of the ways maybe to rephrase the question is like, when did you look back at that and say, thank fuck that I did that. Like, I'm glad that I made those changes and that I would put myself on this trajectory rather than a different one. I sort of feel like, probably I haven't even reached that point yet because right. I'm still on that journey. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm nowhere near where I want to be yet, personally. My business isn't isn't close to where I want it to be. You know, we always want more naturally. So don't get me wrong, you know, along the way you set yourself goals, achievements. And I think, you know, once you've maybe achieved, you know, a few of your sort of initial, you know, short-term, you know, short-term goals, achievements. Yeah. Yeah, you give yourself a pat on the back, won't you? You know, I'm taking the, steps in the right direction sort of thing yeah. but i wouldn't sort of say right now there was a point in the past where i think you know fuck me that was a good choice i but, think it right now but i was i would always think that if that makes sense sort of thing so but i think like what direction could you have taken when you look at it from a from that standpoint of like this is where I could have been if I did that. Like, if you look at people around you or where they are, the people who are doing that, going out every weekend, sort of living that lifestyle, look at where they are, and then look at where you are. I think there's probably quite sort of a oh, yeah, polarity in that. It's pretty simple. Um, <laughs> the guys and the guys and girls that were just going out, being silly and social, all in nine to fives now. Mm. Simple as that. And the ones that didn't are running their own business or running their own, you know, side project, even if they're in a nine to five, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. What I'm saying is, you know, they, they, they took those extra steps, in all honesty. And it's the people that were, you know, just being wreckheads second year and third year and got away with it still. They've got their degree, they've got their job in whatever industry that they're in, you know, respectively. But nine times out of 10, and especially in my case, probably 90% of my friends in that situation, they hate their job. They fucking hate their job. And why do they hate it? Well, it's because they haven't got the degrees, haven't got the qualifications, haven't got the experience, haven't got the people skills, the knowledge to get those high roles or to be doing whatever the fuck they want to be doing, to be quite frank, to yeah. be quite frank. And then, you know, that's one of the main sort of drivers for, for me and for, for Taylor, my business partner, as to why we do what we do. It's freedom, you know, we don't have anyone calling us at 9.01 if we're not in the office by nine o'clock sort of thing. You know, we always are, don't get me wrong, because you've got to have that level of consistency, but it's almost just that concept of when you don't have that person there, that person becomes you. And so, you know, there's, there's I personally think there's a lot of, um, a lot more positives from, uh, from obviously running your own company, actually sort of having that, that level of self-discipline, but I wouldn't have it if, didn't make those changes sort of back in back in university yeah so, i think uh, one thing that i appreciate is isaac and i've, <coughs> I've heard you speak about taylor is it taylor yeah it is your yeah, business yeah, yeah. partner like what sort of things do you do together like to keep yourself 
motivated and to push yourself to to be better so yeah i mean in terms of how we how we keep each other motivated naturally you know we've got goals that we that we that we set for the company in terms of you know new clientele results on behalf of our clients obviously um and that's quite an important point you've got to have that balance of actually getting results for the guys that you currently work with and then also obviously having a nice busy pipeline of new leads of new customers to keep that business ticking because in our in our space it's it's very, very, um, you know, fluctuative in terms of, you know, you will get a massive onslaught of interest in, in, in clientele in terms of the services, and then it will just completely <coughs> drop. And you've got to keep a busy pipeline. Um, but we'll go into that in a bit more depth. But yeah, I mean, what we sort of do is, it could literally be anything, to be honest with you. You know, we'll meet up, we'll go places, we'll go for coffees, you know, we'll, we'll go for walks. It's very, very basic things, but it's just, you know, each other's company when we're together outside of you know the working hours we're, we're just friends you know and we do try and have that sort of separation because it's very easy to get work and friendship and and that's where things can they can go a little bit downhill but um but fortunately we've got a really really strong balance when it comes to right you know monday to friday this is our working week we're working Saturday, Sunday, if we're going out for a meal or something, you know, we're friends, you know, we're, we're, we're just friends, you know, we're not talking about work all the time. Don't get me wrong. You do, you do, yeah, yeah. you know, as businessmen, as, 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 you know, as money, as, as sort of money driven people, naturally you do talk projects, you know, what, what, what's the next thing, you know, what's the next size project, you know, we're, we're always sort of, you know, talking silly things like that, but it's, you know, it's just enjoying each other's company, man, and just building that relationship together to be, to be quite frank. Um, what age were you when you met him? So I was I was 21 at the time, or 20 even. I was 20 years old at the time. Um, and I've got two years on him. So he was even younger. Oh, he's younger. He was 18, 19 years old at the time. Um, and this is actually quite funny. This is quite a funny story. So I met him literally just through um, some part-time work that I was doing alongside Iron Gate when I first founded it in my second year or end of second year of uni. And... Um, yeah, I sort of just got in touch with him through through someone's sort of girlfriend. <clears throat> and um, we just started chatting, you know, just in a general sort of sense, talking business projects, you know, he wanted to learn sort of, you know, some of the marketing sort of concepts that, that I implemented. And we just met for coffee, clearly had a very, very similar mindset from the off. Like that was so, so clear mm. that we had a very similar mindset. We both had a very similar vision for, you know, our own trajectory in the business space and fortunately he did have an interest in social media marketing anyway so we sort of became friends in that sense and, and, and just started talking and then we actually kicked things off um by launching a project together uh, an e-commerce project it was over it was over covid now so sort of end of 2019 sort of 2020 period uh, we actually launched like a, a little stupid drop shipping company um, and it did do quite well don't get me wrong um, and it was just sort of selling products all orientated around sort of covid hygiene you know phone cases that desanitize your phone it was very sort of you know season based stuff because of covid so to speak but and we weren't sort of profiting over covid because we weren't selling masks or anything like that but um, but that's sort of the first project. That was the first time we'd, we'd worked together and it went well. You know, it did go well when we very clearly sort of identified that he brings something to the table that I didn't have. And then obviously I'm able 
to sort of bring knowledge and already you know past experiences to the table for him to only allow him to develop further as well so he started doing some work with iron gate um and then really from there we just sort of i just started sort of you know working with him more and more and more uh, and then it got to the point where i was like look you know taylor you've been such a big part of, of iron gate sort of growth from when we first met that's when we sort of decided to sort of enter a, a partnership with it um got the agreement signed and and here we are today and it's you know two two and a bit years on still going strong but um but yeah yeah so i think your your experience of doing your own e-commerce project how does that tie into you know your the way that you think about it like you you can think about it as an owner so how does that help you help other owners let's say i think it's yeah it's it comes down to the experiences of running an e-commerce store and as you said i think earlier psychology it allows you to put yourself in that business owner's mindset a lot easier if you've literally run your own e-commerce project you know you've you've experienced the highs and the lows you've experienced maybe the issues with shipping or you've experienced the issues with you know some of the back end you know processes automation and so you can sort of almost answer their questions before they've been asked so to speak because it's just so much easier to put yourself in that position to understand perhaps where they're going wrong and as you said to sort of you know you you, you see and understand the value as well a lot more mm-hmm. um from that sort of business owner's sort of standpoint so i mean yeah for us you know like like anything one of the bigger drivers for us to get results is you know our service does go hand in hand with good results if you get good results our clients have no reason to end any sort of agreement any sort of any sort of relationship because we're making them money they're obviously making obviously traje- uh, trajectory wise they're making obviously good good sort of numbers moving forwards the sort of the forecast is looking good they've got no reason to stop you know working with us but the moment they do is the moment when you know we're not making them a profitable return yeah on on, on their investment and that's not only ad spend that's in us as well as their marketing team obviously behind those campaigns so so yeah for us it's it's it is absolutely vital that you know you can get results you know how to get results and you get them consistently because three months you know two or three months of great results is not gonna it's not gonna get you very far and obviously if you can only maintain results for one two maybe three months you're always going to be in that cycle of onboard clients work with them for a few months off they go onboard clients work with them for a few months and then off they go and you'll never be able to grow you'll never be able to grow so so yeah you know and that's something that we did learn don't get me wrong that is something that we learned sort of not the hard way but you know you very quickly sort of understand that you know these people aren't going to hang around unless they're seeing a genuinely you know good return on what they're on what they're spending with you so so yeah pretty pinnacle for me what would you advise people then if they're if they're getting into that that do you think that they should maybe not focus so much on trying to get clients and more on like getting the clients and then trying to deliver a good service service. it's it's difficult and i mean you know it makes me laugh how many how many sort of you know digital marketers agents whatever you want to call them there's so many different names now out there for for social media managers um what makes me laugh is the amount of 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 agencies that appear without any sort of skin in the game 
And what we mean by that is, you know, case studies. We we started IronGate with, well, I started IronGate with, you know, my own e-commerce case studies. I'd already ran e-commerce stores. So I already had some sort of skin in the game to say, yeah, I've done this. I know what I'm doing. Um, and to sort of answer your question more more specifically, it's it's definitely, first things first, identify your niche. If you're going into the advertising space, you know, you can't be advertising, you know, a million different niches or offering your services to a million different niches because how can you be an expert in so many different fields? So the first step above anything, in my opinion, is to actually really knuckle down on, right, what service can I fucking sell well? And what service, obviously, um, you know, and my clients or potential customers going to want from me? Once you've sort of got those two aligned, I think it's it's just a case of go out there, get that first client. Don't worry about finding more. Get results with him. Use him as your case study. Yes, it won't be a, a huge profitable business. You probably won't even be making money from this client. But this client's giving you that, that all-important case study to take away and show the world. Yeah. And once you've got that, as I said, you've got a bit more skin in the game. You've got a little bit more skin in the game. And that's what people want to see, you know? They don't want to see sort of, you know, mock-ups or, or they don't want to sort of talk to you if you can't actually talk them through how you've done something similar with another business and obviously sort of showing them how that can be adapted to their business model, to their sort of strategy, to their campaigns or, or whatever, um, whatever you're selling to them. But yeah, and I think, you know, if you don't or if you do struggle to get those, you know, top, top results initially, you know, you don't stress out, you just go again. But don't, and, and, and I sort of say this with my chest, don't go ahead and get three, four, five clients and give yourself sort of, you know, too much work to do, too much of your time's being spread out. You're not paying attention to, you know, one client enough weekly and then your results are just gonna spiral out of control. And then you've got three or four unhappy clients, three, four really bad Google reviews. You've just put yourself in the ground before you've sort of started really. So mm. get that sort of close knit clientele, get them really strong results. And then when you're comfortable, I think, um, you know, that's when you can start to sort of move forwards get more people involved, freelancers to begin with, if that's the route that you want to go or, or you know, it all depends on your price point and what you can sort of uh, afford, obviously, from a business point of view. But, um, but yeah. How important is uh, word of mouth as well? I think to begin with, it's absolutely vital. <laughs> absolutely vital in terms of, you know, when the first, the first time I formed the company, it was, it was a, a very much the case of, you know, I was getting clients from word of mouth. We were based in Bath. As I said, I was going into cafes, coffee shops. My very first client was a, um, a nightclub. Probably, the, probably one of the more popular nightclubs in Bath, ironically. So for me, this was, this was huge. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and that was just from pretty much word of mouth, going in, just saying, you know, hey guys, I already work with these guys. They're in a sort <laughs> of similar niche to you, whatever. They're in Bath, I know the audience, um, you know, can I just show you what I can do in terms of, you know, increasing footfall? And so, so yeah. And obviously once you do good with one, one's going to talk and then somebody else is going to hear about that. And, you know, they may not necessarily get in contact with you directly, but, you know, when, when the time comes, you're there at the back, at the back of their mind sort of thing in terms of that's who I need to be speaking to when I need digital marketing or, or social media marketing services. So yeah, word of mouth is absolutely vital, I think, um, especially especially when launching and starting up 
and it has to be obviously positive <laughs> word of mouth as well you know you don't want people sort of you know bad sort of shouting bad talking your your company before you've sort of even got it off the ground yet so um so yeah mm. do you want to talk a bit about specializing and being really good at a small number of things and offering those instead of you know a to z absolutely absolutely so i think there's too many in my opinion and in the agency social media agency space there's too many three four five six man teams offering everything digital marketing is a very broad term I rather, or I prefer to call us a social media marketing agency, which obviously is much more specific to those social media platforms. Digital marketing can cover Pinterest, you know, Snapchat, YouTube. There's so many platforms in the digital space. And, you know, unless, unless you've got like a hundred man team, how on earth, how on earth can you offer Facebook, Instagram advertising, YouTube advertising, Snapchat advertising, SEO, web development, you know, the list goes on. <laughs> like how on earth are you actually gonna be able to provide a very hands-on, professional, and obviously results-orientated service with four man? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So, you know, and so what we sort of very quickly identified is, yeah, when we first started out, we did make that mistake slightly where we were trying to offer pretty much whatever people <coughs> wanted because I wanted to get that client on board naturally. Um, and that's obviously in the early stages, but from doing that, naturally you do see where you tend to get more results than others. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, when you first start an agency, things are not gonna go well. You're gonna have relationships that break down, unfortunately, uh, and there's nothing you can do about that. Absolutely nothing you can do about that. But but you know, once <clears throat> once you do, um, you know, once you do sort of understand, right, this is what we're f what, what, what we're fucking good at. That's what you home in on. And so in our case, it really is Facebook, Instagram advertising. So that's paid advertising, and then we do also offer management services, uh, which obviously cover sort of content creation, hashtag research, and that's obviously really important, especially in today's. Um, sort of situation with Facebook and Instagram because algorithms change so much. Hashtags come into play there quite a bit and so on. So, you know, we know that we're the specialists when it comes to finding audiences online, reaching those audiences in the right way, and then obviously delivering results off the back of that process. So, um, and so, yeah, we literally only offer Facebook, Instagram, paid advertising, Google advertising as well, because we see we see them as sort of going hand in hand. Um, but that is literally it. We are looking to introduce TikTok in the future, but at the moment we don't have the manpower and we're not gonna offer, you know, half a service that we're not confident in, in terms of getting results. There's just no point in that whatsoever. And if we need to, we will turn down business for that exact reason. Someone comes into a, you know, into a call looking for maybe Facebook, Instagram, and they do raise TikTok, um, you know, we do get quite a few negative responses to that as well, you know. We get quite a few negative responses where they're like, well, you're, you're a social media agency, why are you not offering TikTok? But as I said, you know, we're not specialists in that field yet. We're getting there, but obviously TikTok's a new platform, so the way that we see it is just just offer, you know, what you, what you can guarantee, what you can, you know, provide a professional service in. Um, and since we've done that, taking it a step further you then choose your niche as i mentioned you know once you know your platform once you know right this is my field this is my channel 
then take it the next step. So what actual type of business do I specialize in when it comes to you know generating results? And again, we quickly identified it's gonna be e-commerce because that's where my background stands from in terms of you know getting into that advertising space alongside the affiliate stuff and Taylor, uh, my business partner, he was in exactly the same position, always testing his own Shopify stores, you know, uh, online stores. So we quickly identified that not only do we love it, but this is actually what we're really quite fucking good at. So, mm. you know, that's why we offer it to be to be quite frank. And um, as I said, with Google, it's something that goes hand in hand with Facebook and Instagram. And um, I've always always sort of had an interest in Google, more so because of actual family member um, that was sort of involved with Google a few years ago. But it's a platform that people go to, obviously, with much more of an intent mm -hmm. from the marketing sort of sense side of, side of things. So um, when, when you see an ad on Facebook, Instagram, for example, um, let's just say, you know, we're running ads for just a random company. You remember the name, you don't quite remember how it's spelt, for example, or you remember what they were selling, but you don't quite remember the name. Well, Google is where you'll go to try and find them. You're not going to go on Facebook and type in sort of, you know, whatever you're looking to buy um, and expect to find, you know, a website to buy from. It's not, it's not where you go. You know, you go to Google for that. So that's where the Google advertising comes in, where if someone has seen your ad and you don't want to sort of you know miss out or lose that potential conversion the google ad side of things becomes really important because that's where you capture them effectively um based on their keyword searches and so on and you've really got to, again back to the psychology point put yourself in their headspace what are people typing on google to find my business and that's actually quite a deep question when you think about it because you're then really having to understand what keywords might i type to find me on on um, on Google, sorry, um, but yeah. So um, and that is pretty much predominantly what all of our clients are on board on board with us with. So it'll either be Facebook and Instagram, or Facebook, Instagram, and Google as sort of a wraparound as a wraparound package. Um, How would someone yeah. like bring something new in to keep up with the times? Um, if like obviously you you say that you've got to be very you've got to know what you're talking about before mm. you do it but how do you I've, i kind of think like you've got to fail at some i think failure is such a big part of getting better at things and um how do you like fail at something without like damaging your business i think it's <clears throat> i mean in terms of fail i don't like the word failure i mean I think it's just more, you know, just learning from from mistakes. So, you know, when you do have that maybe relationship with a client that breaks down and you do have to part ways, I think just handling it gracefully, you know, being respectful to the client, you know, if if you had an agreement in place and, you know, certain things need to be done, whether it's potentially a refund, if, if that's in the agreement sort of thing, you just honor that and you part ways respectively. And that shouldn't put too much sort of damage on your business. But if you're that sort of big headed, egotistic sort of business owner or director that sort of thinks, oh, it's my client's fault, they're not getting results sort of thing. Damn, that's where you're going wrong. Um, and that's when you're going to sort of start pissing people off. And that's when they're going to start talking about you in completely the, the wrong way. 
um, for you to bounce back. So I think, you know, especially with us, when we have had relationships with clients that have broken down, as I said, it's just a case of being very, very sort of respectful, to be quite frank. Um, you know, we talk them through perhaps where we think it went wrong sort of thing. We do give them sort of a plan of action on what we would do moving forwards naturally. But um, if that sort of, you know, at that stage, if they're still, you know, pretty certain that they do just want to call things a day, that's absolutely fine, mm. you know, and you've got to respect that. And you've got to sort of just learn from those mistakes. And especially what we sort of found is, as I said, it was just about taking on certain jobs, certain work that perhaps we weren't the best fit for. And then just being transparent about it, to be quite clear. Yeah. What I kind of meant by that was like, say, these new platforms are coming up all the time. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, how would you bring that in to your business to keep up with things without like just bringing it in straight away? It's testing, isn't testing, it? Yeah. It's all about, yeah, it's all about testing and obviously understanding understanding algorithms and that sort of thing so the reason that we don't offer tiktok yet for example is just because you know we haven't got enough experience with it yet we do want to do some more testing from our own side of things before we start using another company's money yeah. on this platform so so it is just a case of sort of you know looking into the platform understanding more about the platform uh doing your research you know looking at what already very successful companies on the platform are doing understand right what do we need to do to make that better and then just sort of pull that together into a into a strategy test it yourself as well so literally you know if if, if we're talking like a sales sort of strategy it might be a little bit hard to test obviously on tiktok for example because you'd have to go for that process of creating a store or something but you know as much sort of just pre-research as possible and then just giving it a shot you know just do it hmm. And see how it goes and you know learn as i said from any mistakes or any sort of you know potential failures that sort of come with that um but i mean yeah i think when it comes to sort of you know other businesses bringing in those platforms i think you know step one would just be to find a specialist agency that yeah. specializes in that sort of area um there are agencies out there that do just do tiktok just like we only do Facebook, Instagram, and Google. Um, so so that would sort of be the first step if you're looking to sort of outsource it by all means. Um, but if you're sort of looking to do it individually, as I said, it's just research the platform, look at what other companies within your niche, within your market, within your space are doing that's working and replicate it. What would you say to people who think that ads is dead on oh, social God, media? Here we go, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Um, they're just clueless, to be quite frank. Um, there's so much that, that Facebook and Instagram are doing day in, day out, sort of behind the scenes um, to really just, you know, adapt and sort of, um, what's the word? It's just sort of to, to help uh, marketers do more with Facebook and Instagram ads. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of bringing out all these different techniques, these strategies, these uh, sort of campaign types, for example. And, you know, I could sort of go, you know, I could sort of bring up terms like a CBO campaign, for, exa for example, campaign budget optimization. Most people that are saying Facebook and Instagram ads are dead probably don't even know what that term means. Yeah. And that's a completely new type of campaign um, that they've sort of introduced fairly recently. Um, but yeah, and then you've sort of got, I don't know, it's 
it's what you do with the data. Facebook, Instagram, they they know too much about us, man. They know way too much about us. And that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned from advertising is just the level of detail that we can go into when trying to find your customers or, you know, your uh, potential leads or whatever it may be. Um, the level of detail is crazy. You know, I'm talking age. I'm talking, you know, marital status. I'm talking obviously where you live, what your interests are, what you've recently been Googling, uh, what you've recently pretty much eaten in many ways you can target all through obviously just where you've been, interest, check-ins. It's crazy the amount of sort of targeting power and depth that we have to go into. Uh, I think anyone that says Facebook and Instagram as an, uh, are dead are just naive, to be quite frank. And they're probably not getting any results from yeah. them either. But yeah. but yeah, don't get me wrong. You've got to stay up to date. You've got to understand what Facebook are changing and what you know that's going to mean for your campaign, for your strategy and, and so on. But that's what an agency are. You know, that's why we're here. You know, we love this shit. You know, we read it. We read up on it. We're, we're, we're in the know at all times. So... You know, you don't have to worry about that when working with an agency, I don't think. Um, but you probably do have to if you're just trying to do things off your own back, then start to see ads decline. And then obviously you just start complaining about Facebook and Instagram yeah. being a crap platform. Yeah, people that but, overrun campaigns that just didn't work or they've yeah. spent 500 quid and they think that's it. It's, I mean, that's probably the biggest uh, factor that I have to sort of... Um, handle in sales yeah. calls for example is budgets a sales call can go brilliantly until you have to talk money naturally budgets and i mean the amount of 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 business owners small and large uh, it's mainly the smaller business owners i'll be honest uh, that that sort of come with this mindset but um the amount of of those sort of small business owners that will come in with like a six seven eight hundred pound product furniture for example maybe it's bespoke you know sofas chairs whatever it may be and then they're like, yeah, um, I want to give you 200 quid a month to get me sales. And it's like, that, is, that, that 200 pound is a quarter of your selling price. <laughs> how on earth, how on earth do you expect us to pay literally quarter of what you're selling this product at and actually start seeing, you know, more than one sale, quite literally. You need to sort of really take into account that Although it's a great opportunity, social media is a very, very busy place. It's a very competitive place to advertise. Very, very competitive. So, you know, you do need to have that sort of fundamental budget to test audiences, to do A and B split tests. And, and our sort of process, not to give too much away, uh, <laughs> is, is, is exactly that. We do test pretty much everything there is to test about your campaign, about your audience. And, and I literally mean everything the ad copy, the creative, for example. So, you know, once we understand, all right, cool, you need a photo-based ad or a video-based ad, that's what's performing the best. It's not just, okay, cool, let's just do videos now. It's, okay, cool, what, ad, what actual ad copy works best with the video? Then you're testing literally different wording sequences. The creative's the same, the targeted audience is the same, but you're now literally just testing maybe two or, two or three words swapped around. To see if that makes obviously a psychological difference in those consumer decision you know in, in the consumer decision making side of things um and then you know to go into more depth you're then looking at things like obviously gender location if you're a location-based business you do need to think about where you're running these ads to you know you don't want to be running ads to customers that you can't ship to for example it sounds so basic 
But anyone that doesn't know how to run Facebook and Instagram campaigns, they could be running ads in a country that they can't even, you know, sell to. And they'll be there complaining, saying, you know, oh, Facebook, you know, Instagram ads are, are, are dead and whack. But, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, just knowing what you're doing. If you know what you're doing with Facebook and Instagram, and this is with anything, you know, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to have that sort of very negative mindset towards it, are you really? So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know who those people are, but they're wrong. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely, can, definitely wrong. Can you paint a picture of like what it's like when a campaign's working? What sort of, yeah, you know, how does that change your business? Absolutely. So, I mean, the way that sort of campaigns work, it's it's fairly complex in terms of, you know, you hear this a lot on the internet. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Nothing is in life, really, uh, on that note. But the way that sort of, you know, we, we sort of monitor and understand whether an ad's working is obviously all based on data. But once we actually can see what we need to see, which obviously would be things like low CPMs, low CPCs, which is obviously the cost to put traffic onto a website, for example, you know, that business is all of a sudden interacting with so many more customers and they are seeing so many more sales. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's our job really to put people onto, and if you're just like a e-commerce site, for example, it's our job to put people onto your website. That's almost like your brick and mortar store on the high street. Yeah. yeah, we're putting people into your shop and then we've effectively done our job, obviously assuming that they buy. Now, if they don't buy, it's then obviously our job to work with you, even if we didn't sort of create your website, for example, it's then our job to work with you to understand, well, why the hell are we sending customers into your shop, so to speak, and then they're just walking out? Like imagine, and the best way that I put this in calls, and it's actually quite a good little metaphor, is, you know, imagine you're a shop owner. You're literally stood in your shop. I've just sort of gone and rounded up a hundred people. I've sent them all into your shop. Uh, so Johnny, you know, here you go, mate. Loads and loads of customers come in your way. They all maybe pick up an item, come to the counter, just turn around and leave. That's the equivalent of going onto your website, adding to the cart, maybe even starting that checkout process of adding your address, adding your phone number, and then just leaving, closing the tab, leaving the checkout. You'd be quite concerned if someone did that in real life, come to the counter, left it on the table and just walked out. Mm. You'd be like, why the hell has that just happened? <laughs> what has just put you off? that decision that you initially had made 10 seconds ago what has just changed in your mind and that's where we come in to sort of look at right we've put people on your website there is a fine line between is it the right audience or have we maybe just sort of put you know the wrong type of people and obviously that's a completely different situation but we're the experts and we're the ones that obviously need to to sort of run the numbers in that sense but once we understand yeah this is definitely your audience we're getting really low clicks it has to be your website it's in the case of understanding what the hell is going wrong on this website for so many people to be obviously dropping off and so on. But once they do see those conversion rates, you know, it's more business for them. That's the bottom line. It's more revenue for that business. And so, and once we sort of see those initial strong figures, we then obviously instantly know, brilliant, this is going to be a nice long-term relationship because the results are only going to follow um, suit sort of thing. But yeah. What does it look like to, if you've got a website that's just not converting, what, what, what do you need to do to it? Uh, well, it could be anything. You need to look at 
why you're not getting conversions first. And the way that we do that is all back end. You know, it's data. It's where you've got traffic falling off. It's, you know, is there certain buttons that people were clicking and then just, you know, leaving the web page? And it could be down to literally anything. It could be your shipping times. And that's something that um, in the sort of the last year or two, mainly the last sort of year, has obviously really become quite a big thing because you've got you got Amazon dropping your delivery the same day now, don't you? You know, you can literally get something two hours later. I know Argos do that as well. So the moment that, you know, you start sort of saying, oh yeah, you'll get it in three to five days. Those consumers are just going to prefer to spend an extra five quid, a bit, an extra eight quid, even 10, 15 pound in some cases mm. to buy it from Amazon and to get it same day. You've then lost that sale. It's as simple as that. So it's just understanding what's going on with your website um, and then obviously just fixing it, to be quite frank. But there's not a lot more you can do other than obviously look back end, understand the analytics, understand, you know, how your customers behave on your website. Because again, it's no different to how they behave in a shop. Yeah. And then fix, you know, that area of the website if you're not if you're not seeing, you know, the sort of results that you expect, to be quite frank. I think talk a bit as well about retargeting. And how that works because the amount of times i've seen people run ads and they don't even have a pixel on their website let's say <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty rookie like what does that mean rookie stuff i mean yeah so i mean the term retargeting is, is literally just a marketing term um, that we use where well we're doing pretty much what it says on the tin we're going back to customers that we know have some sort of an interest in what we're in what we're offering, whether that's product, service, whatever. Um, and that's to be fair, it's not just from websites we can retarget, but I'll get onto that in a second. Um, the importance really of retargeting is, you know, the average consumer needs to be sort of advertised to or sort of touched, we sort of say, in the marketing space seven or eight times. So you need to have seven or eight points of contact with a customer before they're gonna purchase from you, before they're gonna become a lead. So you can't just bank on sending someone to your website on a one-off basis and to have them convert. You need to nurture them. You need to sort of give them more of just a, we've got a great offer on buy now reason to actually buy into you and your service or your product. So it's through retargeting that we actually do that. And it's all sort of mindset based um, in the sense that you know these people that we're targeting now have been on your website, for example. They, they have been on your Instagram page, for example. We can retarget anything, by the way, in terms of video content, Instagram views, something that Instagram have actually released literally in the last few months is follower retargeting as well. That's actually huge, by the way. Um, we've not been able to do that up What's until that? literally. So follower retargeting is, is literally the same concept in terms of going back to people um, that obviously are interested in your business, but this time you can actually run ads solely to your followers on Instagram and Facebook. Now you couldn't previously do that. They've only just introduced that. So all of a sudden, all that hard work that you've been putting in over the years organically to build up a social following on, on Facebook, on Instagram, you can then actually run a very specific targeted you know, it may be offer-based, it may just be generic ad to your audience. Um, and it cuts out, you know, so much <clears throat> advertising spend because, you know, you're now not having to test 
different placements, different audiences, different locations and so on. Because you can just go, right, I know exactly where my audience is, they're following me. So you're not gonna be having to spend and split budgets up and potentially obviously risk budgets going towards audiences that aren't so profitable. So, you know, I think anyone that, that isn't retargeting, I mean, that's like, it's very basic stuff. Uh, and the point that you mentioned, um, Isaac is, you know, a Facebook pixel is literally what you need to get this data. So when you do see people running Facebook and Instagram ads without that pixel on their website, it's a bit like, you know, you're blind. You have no idea what your audiences are doing on that website. And, and all a pixel is in a line of code, just a line of code, you put it into the header of your website and then that will just pull a lot more data back into Facebook and obviously gives us an insight into page drop-offs, link clicks, what customers are clicking on before they decide to leave your web page and Google your competitor sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's just a very basic rookie mistake if if people are running ads without that installed. Um, but I get a lot of that as well, to be fair. So why might someone advertise to their followers? Why you know why would they not just post? Yeah, What's so happened? so yeah, so the reason behind it is obviously it's almost it is sort of as I said very mindset based and psychology based. If you see a sponsored ad, it comes across as a little bit more personal. Now, if mm -hmm. I was to see a, just a feed post from you know a business that I follow offering maybe some sort of offer, some sort of Black Friday promo, if I see it on their Instagram, I know that everyone's going to see that doesn't sound so personal. It doesn't sound like they've specifically sort of targeted me, so to speak. Whereas when we run ads on Facebook and Instagram, if we're going back to your followers, it's not something that's on their feed. So you can make that a lot more personal. You can actually sort of, you know, build that creative around maybe, you know, thank you for being a great follower. Thank you for, for sort of supporting our journey sort of thing. Here, have five pound off your next order. Have a 10% coupon. But as it's sponsored, it just comes across as so much more personal as opposed to sort of just seeing something on your on the business feed and you just think oh well all 27,000 followers can see that and redeem that so I don't feel so special now so it just brings like a little bit more almost like intimacy I suppose into your advertising and you know that's the only that's the way that advertising is going now it's all about you know really building a sense of trust community um and just reassurance behind your business before people are gonna buy into you. Um, but yeah. Mm. So does that show to every single person in your followers then? So it depends, all depends uh, what you're looking to achieve. Again, you know, there's there's so much depth that I could go into in terms of, you know, the, the power we have behind customizing and, and targeting these ads. You know, you can do things such as, you know, targeting followers that are yet to be a purchaser, for example. So you can actually sort of cut out that audience that have purchased before and obviously saving you ad spend in terms of potentially marketing to those audiences and wasting it because you don't need to pull them back onto the website, for example, because they've already purchased, it's quite clear. So I think the, again, it's the level of sort of customization and depth that we can go into when it comes to digging out those personality traits, those, interests that you know certain members of your following will have and that you want to specifically target because of effectively so so yeah i think there's there's a lot of advantages mm. um, there's a lot of advantages of it and then um 
it's really how you do get sort of conversions uh, in the sense that you know you're never really going to get a successful campaign where you introduce yourself to your customers once as i said seven or eight times is the average so we need to be running campaigns that are actually going back and again and again and again and it's around that seven or eighth sort of point of contact where we tend to see the most sales the most leads being generated the most booked canonly calls and that's even in our own case with our own lead generation we do our own marketing obviously we run our own ads the proof is in the pudding i don't understand you know what the hell agencies are doing that um you know aren't running their own ads to be quite frank the best way to sell yourself is to find your customers with the service that you're willing to provide them yeah. i feel you know um and so so yeah it's all about just you know spit testing understanding your data and and i mean yeah it's pretty much it man mm. can you talk a bit about how the 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 touch points actually happen across multiple platforms because you might not do eight touch points on instagram it could happen on an ad on YouTube or then pop up in, in an Instagram story. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, it comes down to retargeting, naturally. Um, and there's obviously two ways you can you can sort of retarget. So if it's within the same platform, like Facebook, for example, Instagram, it's very, very easy. It's all through that sort of Facebook pixel concept. It's just a line of code. Only Facebook sees that data. But then obviously you can download data from Facebook to be used elsewhere. So if we did need to run some sort of, you know, specific campaign on YouTube, for example, you can download emails, upload emails, obviously, and that's sort of how you'll be retargeting in that sense. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's sort of the fundamental. It's just about sort of taking your data from one platform because they don't all combine into one place, obviously. Uh, we do have a third party platform that actually allows us to do that and to see that data. Um, but it's not it's not something that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube just integrate with themselves sort of thing. So, so yeah, you know, you'd sort of have maybe a Facebook, Instagram campaign running, the data, the emails, you know, whatever sort of remarketing um, sort of information that you that you're pulling from your audiences, you can then push that into a Google campaign example upload the data upload the email lists if it's email um, campaigns um, upload the audience set if it's an audience based so and that's when you know you sort of tend to notice oh I saw an ad on Facebook I'm now seeing a very similar ad for the same product maybe it's probably giving you a little bit more information because that whole retargeting process don't forget is a nurturing process so you're not going to see the same ad over and over again the way that we sort of do it is if you sort of imagine maybe like a three-piece funnel sort of thing, that top half of our funnel, the widest, the most broad part of that funnel is where we're just putting, you know, a very, very large bulk of, of different audiences, all based, you know, all based around your niche, about based around your product. And then obviously that A and B sort of split testing process kicks in. We understand, identify who those potential customers are going to be, the ones that are hitting our link clicks and so on and the ones that don't click on that link obviously just leave our funnel no problem but as i mentioned no one's just going to buy straight off the bat and so that's where they then sort of get pushed into our middle sort of part of that funnel and that's where the retargeting concepts come in so we're now going back to those customers not with the same 
ad or campaign as before because you know if you didn't get results before you're not going to get them <laughs> this time mm. around running the same ad you're going to yeah. get the same results obviously you know you may get them back to the website but they're still not going to convert because you've not told them any more than what you told them last time you've not given them any more of a reason to buy your product or to, to use your service than you did before so it's in that retargeting sequence you'll you'll tend to find that you know you may have seen an ad for for, for in, in our case our services let's just say the next ad that you'll see may be something on the lines of client testimonials for example we know that you're interested because you've been to our website we know that you've heard of us because you've seen my ad and we know this because you wouldn't be in our retargeting groups if you didn't click on our link, if you didn't watch our video for more than seven seconds, for example. And that's actually quite an interesting point. You know, the average attention span on Facebook and Instagram is literally five to six seconds. Okay. So when we run video content, for example, if you've watched more than five to six, sort of five to six seconds, chances are you're fairly interested there because we've pulled your attention away from your feed, away from your friends, away from whatever, you know, stuff you follow in within those spaces. And we've actually caught your attention for more than the average sort of consumer. So, you know, that for us is a big sort of factor in terms of you then can retarget video viewers. And obviously it's all it's all obviously based on metrics. So when it comes to retargeting with video viewers, for example, you can actually retarget people that have watched a certain amount of that video. So all of a sudden, again, you're being able to actually really go into more depth on on how much and how much interest these potential consumers are going to have in your business. It makes sense to target the people that watched obviously more of that video. The more that they've watched, the more the likelihood is whatever the hell you were speaking about or whatever the hell was being advertised in that video, it's got some sort of an interest there end. Um, and so you can actually go, right, we will now retarget very specifically only people that have watched either 10 seconds or more of our video, let's just say, but not obviously made a purchase and so on. And it's just that peace of mind again, knowing that you're now not marketing to anyone that's not got an interest in what you've got on offer because you know that these audiences, these customers have sort of shown that initial intent just by watching a video. They have no idea that you know this, obviously. This is all based on you know uh, Facebook and Instagram's metrics and backend ads manager um, and so on. But, um, but yeah, so jumping back into that sort of funnel concept, you go back to those audiences. You go back with them with another reason. Why the hell should you buy my product? What reasons do you, you, know, do you have that I need to buy your product? Uh, and so in our case, it would be a testimonial for example, we'll show them some case studies. You know, we've got videos of me just in front of the camera talking you through, uh, you know, case studies, uh, clients that have sort of gone 20, 30, 50, 60K months. Uh, you know, I think the most recent one that we put on Instagram was 150K in like a month, which was, which was crazy. Um, and, you know, all of these sort of subconscious ads and so on, they do just build more of a sort of a picture in, your, in that sort of consumer's mind that when it does come, when, when the time does come to actually take that next step, you are the only guys in the back of their mind sort of thing. Uh, and if they weren't already sold, it's that funneling process of going back to them with a testimonial. Then maybe a few days later, if they still haven't obviously booked in a call, reach out to them specifically. You know, we actually run ads very, very specific in some cases where it's, did you forget to book a call? 
And that's going to people that have only been on our Canonly booking site. And if you'd recently been on our Canonly booking site and saw that pop up on your feed, you'd feel very personally, yeah. very, very personally targeted there. Um, and it helps build, again, that sort of rapport with consumer. Um, but yeah, and then obviously you've got that sort of bottom part of your funnel, which again is sort of just to tie up any loose ends, so to speak. So once we have been sort of running, as I said, anywhere between two, three and seven or eight sort of points of contact with these consumers, you've got to draw the line somewhere. You do get window shoppers, you know, especially with e-commerce stores. So many window shoppers, people, you know, will jump on the website, they'll add to cart, but they're just not going to buy at the end of the day. Um, and that's where sort of our bottom of funnel comes in, which is effectively where we're giving that audience a last ditch opportunity to purchase. So that's when you may include a discount code, £5 off free shipping in the e-commerce space. In our space, it may be a free guide, for example. Uh, start of this year, we obviously released uh, 2021, 2022, sort of just Facebook and Instagram advertising guide you know how to stay up to stay up to date in 2022 and so on and that's just obviously used that was quite a good little uh lead magnet for us and obviously reason to get people booking calls with myself book a call boom you get like a free guide or whatever um and obviously leave some details leave an email phone number you know that sort of thing um but yeah what sort of things because what i've realized with my in my time on social media is it's all about getting people's attention, and um, and I've you said you did you do videos. What sort of things like? Because it's literally the first like three seconds, which are like so important. What like things do you do to like really <laughs> capture someone's attention in the first three seconds? Uh, I've done some stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I've done some. Stu I mean, yeah, I've done some really really stupid stuff on the internet, man. Yeah, uh, some really stupid, and this is. Again, you live and you learn, okay? Mm. And, and you, can, you can't judge me on this. No, it's, it's a trial and error though, isn't it? <laughs> so, you know, it was a couple of Christmas. No, I think it's might have, might have even been last Christmas. Um, we really wanted to get quite seasonal. And we wanted, you know, within, within our space, within our space, um, you know, it is a very competitive market to, to advertise in for your own services. As I said, yeah. there's so many agencies. Over COVID, it was secretly a blessing for us in terms of business and the demand for our services. But at the same time, it, it sucked because so many freelancers just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. Apparently social media experts um, after you know losing their job due to COVID. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, so in that sense, um, you know, it was that was a little bit frustrating. But just going back to sort of the, the Christmas point, we were trying to be a little bit more seasonal. We were trying to, as I said, just capture the attention of our audience. Um, and you have to do that visually, naturally. You know, even even in today with videos, you know, you see a lot of videos with captions, obviously, and so on. It's because not everyone's there listening to what you've got to say. So it's got to be a visual factor. So in this case, uh, I dressed up as Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> dressed up as Santa Claus, uh, and and it it was it, it was supposed to be comedy. All right, we weren't taking this seriously whatsoever. But I was dressed up as Santa. the The concept behind it was scaling Santa. Really, really cringe. Um, but as you mentioned, Johnny, it caught their attention. It captured your attention because if you're scrolling through a feed. And you just see some guy dressed up as Santa sat in front of a computer um, with a massive Santa sack. I, it, it looked absolutely ridiculous, but it caught, it caught your attention. And so then as long as we were targeting the right people, 
the people that are going to sort of take action and, and want more information on what we offer and see past the sort of the humorous side of it we did get you know quite a quite a bit of attention off the back of that and we did a few more i mean uh, a mad professor i tried as well uh, this is really out of character for me by the way but um you know we were just testing different things as you said you've got to test it just to know oh, if it's going to work yeah yeah and we didn't want to go down that route of and this is a route that so many agencies take it's you know the flashy cars the big offices the big you know we're not that agency we all work from home you know the whole team work i've got my own my own home office taylor's got his own home office and then the guys that we do work with all literally just work from their own space so you know we're not going to try and cap and and, and be a, you know come across as an agency that we're not to be quite frank so we Sounds sort like of not take yourself too seriously as well absolutely well i wouldn't say i wouldn't say not seriously but you know within that sort of advertising sort of process i think you've got to test you've got to test different angles and i think that sort of funny humorous sort of side of things um especially over christmas it did work quite well um i'm probably not gonna do it again though <laughs> i'll be honest <laughs> probably not again someone else uh, <laughs> well i think it's I wouldn't say I wouldn't do it again because of, you know, the results. I think it's just more, we've done it now. We've got to think of something new. Yeah. Okay. You know, we can't go back and, and use the same strategy because as you said, you know, these, these social, you know, the social space, it's developing so quickly, man. Like meta as a whole is developing and, and moving scary fast, in my opinion. But um, what sort of things have you seen in meta, which has been changing? I think it's more just the power of of technology you know the vr side of things that's coming into it. i think that's really really scary you know i've seen vr concerts being advertised and it's like do these people just want you to sit at home all day and just put on a pair of goggles and that be your life experience sort of thing you know you put these goggles on and boom you're at a festival boom you're at a football match boom for me that's just really really scary and have no interest in vr whatsoever personally um but I think that's probably the biggest red flag for me with Meta. I mean, in, in the advertising space, in the marketing space, I actually sort of really like what they're doing. And they're making our job easier by introducing new metrics, techniques, and that sort of thing. But um, but from sort of the VR and the just sort of metaverse, isn't it, sort of standpoint, I think it's a little bit scary, the future. I think it's a little bit scary. What don't you like about it? I think it's, as I said, it's more, it's disconnecting us from reality. 100%. As if we didn't already need another distraction, <laughs> another reason yeah. to get disconnected from obviously like where we are today. I just think it's, 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 it's going in the wrong direction. I really do. And, you know, things, things like concerts, things like, you know, just going out with your friends, it's going to be a thing of the past. Mm. And social media has already damaged that because, you know, 20 years ago, you'll go out with your mates, you've got a Nokia brick in your pocket and you don't touch it until you're calling a cab to go home sort of thing. Nowadays, you go, you go out with your mates and, you know, we've all experienced it. There's like half the group head down in their phone, not even with you. So it's a bit like, you know, if that's not something that we can sort of take and learn from, maybe try and sort of somehow take that concept and adapt it into vr but for me it's just more of a reason to be disconnected from reality at all times pretty much what do you think about augmented reality 
<clears throat> I mean, it's useful. I think it's useful in the sense, you know, from a from a marketing perspective or more so just from, you know, a business sort of perspective. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that use augmented reality for, you know, buying a new sofa, for example. You can now literally lift your phone up and you can see the sofa like in your room, for example. I think in that sense, in terms of a shopping, in terms of a customer user experience sense, it, it's very, very useful by all means because there are people out there that might not be able to get to your store. And so from a marketing standpoint, you're now opening doors to, to more customers because they can now use um, augmented reality to obviously determine if whatever's gonna, whatever you're buying is going to fit in their house or it's going to look good on them, for example. It's a little bit silly, but you know it's a step in the right direction in, in my opinion but um i think that's a lot less scary than 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. because this is more well it's just sort of you know actually helping businesses you know express whatever message or or show whatever product and the value of that product to you in your own home pretty much but um but yeah the vr i think it's just got slightly different it's just got a slightly different feel to it um, and, and the way that, as I said, like everything seems to be going with these sort of, you know, virtual avatars that you see everywhere. And I mean, I even saw the other day like a, a an, an AI app that makes you into some sort of yeah. superhero cartoon thing. And I found it amazing like that it can do that. But at the same time, just from uploading a couple of photos of yourself and in about 20, 25 minutes, this this phones. app yeah, yeah this app just takes your image and, and adapts you and, and and it's not just sort of you know the images that you took they've now got different angles of your head that you didn't even show them and it's just a little bit like what the fuck is that the one where the, all the girls were putting up their yeah. instagram i think so yeah your ones look quite good my ones were really not that great but you think what they're doing with that right they're there are people who are susceptible to social media like short circuit in their reward system. So they get, you know, a hit from getting engagement, seeing things online. And if if you can create a new world for someone, like the way some of the ways I've seen it done is like guys that like there are people who live full time in VR and like they sleep with the headset on, they wake up, they live in like a quite a empty room where there's like a toilet and there's like food and and a bed and, and and they've developed another life there so their reward in life is inside the vr so they've kind of got everything they need to survive but they exist in this like basically other dimension this virtual dimension where they get their satisfaction from and and I think you can see already that there are people who are susceptible to that short-circuited reward system. Mm. For example, when they're using their phones instead of being present in reality. So imagine how many people are going to be more susceptible to that. Because already people are susceptible to that with games, leveling up in games. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like people are so competitive about just games. So you imagine when it's it's a more immersive experience that that kind of you get you get feelings on different levels i imagine when there's <coughs> sensation to it or there's smell involved with it and there's like a complete like an actual virtual reality i think that's the scary bit about it though isn't it it's, it's when it gets that far but you Where think about the, the money that must be involved in that because you think oh, yeah, the money that must be involved in just advertisement of general advertisement think when you can say 
okay, we sell these apartments that you could live in virtual reality inside of, and we will tend to all of your other needs, but you have to do X, Y, Z. The worst one's probably, we've got you your virtual girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Literally, that would be, that would be, that would be a very, very weird (laughs) situation to be in, like meeting each other's virtual girlfriend. Even just saying it out loud doesn't sound right, does it really? But it probably already exists. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure you can probably somehow... Yeah, they'll come out of a nap. It'd be called like Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like yeah. everyone's virtual Mrs. Yeah. Lucy. <laughs> and you're hearing like 20, 30 divorce rates to get married to yeah. Lucy. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that would be, that would be quite a. <clears throat> but I think there's probably massive money in that. There's probably trillions yeah. in that. Because you think how many people can't actually create. Um, a satisfactory life in the real world because of this hierarchy that exists and barriers to entry that they can just get this headset on finance for four quid a month and and they go into that and they've got a missus they've got a nice setup it's it's dangerous what i think people can be tricked into Mm. well i think you see that with OnlyFans. i think the amount of money that's in that i think a lot of men probably go towards that do you know what i mean Mm. there's probably like a it's a quick way to trick men into things, especially. Yeah. Like they say, sex sells. Hmm. It's quite scary, really. Maybe that's a side project. <laughs> <laughs> you better start looking into uh, that. <laughs> I can't say yeah. Uh, can't, can't say we've got much uh, experience. No. <laughs> but, but we'll look into it. Yeah. We'll look into it. By all means. But I think, you know, what you said there was quite powerful in terms of, yeah, the advertising space with VR. Mm. Shit's going to get a little bit scary in that sense. You know, you can bet your bottom dollar that Facebook will somehow introduce ads into your VR, VR world. <clears throat> there'll be a subscription that you can sort of remove ads or something yeah. and there'll be a free version and there's going to be marketers, advertisers like us literally throwing the most immersive quick fire five to 15 second ads at you that you know you can imagine and if it's vr if we're, if we're advertising some sort of i think you mentioned they're like an apartment for example yeah. for, for an estate agent we can just throw you in the apartment for 10 seconds mm. you know what i mean and so you know that's such a massive leap from forcing you to watch a video for a few seconds sort of thing you know all of a sudden you are there you are in the room. And even if it's for five to 10 seconds, if that room suits your needs and we've obviously targeted you the way that we should be and you are, you know, our client's typical customer, that's going to go a long way. That's going to go a long, long way in terms of the advertising space uh, and how Facebook and how advertising on Facebook is really going to change, I think. But, um, but yeah. I think you'll, you'll have to hire a lot of people because, and I think a lot of people who sort of make games and and things like that are going to be making a hell of a lot of money in that space because and also like interior designers interior designers they'll they'll have to go into these places and like make them how you want them to to be i mean we've spoken to um right at the start of this year um we're actually we're still in touch um now a company that actually do specialize in basically creating your business online in terms of like AI augmented reality. So if you're sort of, I don't know, um, a wedding venue, for example, and you really want customers 
to understand what your venue is like. And naturally, you may be a few hundred miles away. They can't just pop in and have a look. There's actually companies out there now that will come in. So I'm not, not even sure how they do it. It's all through like 3D filming and obviously all like AI uh, technology. But they will basically just put a VR, a virtual version effectively <coughs> of your venue online. Oh, wow. And I think that's pretty damn cool. If They're you ask me, doing that. they're already doing that, man. That's already that's mm. already out there. Um, and the particular company we're speaking to actually does quite well. They're actually um, a really good bunch of guys. But um, yeah, they were the first ones that we've sort of initially spoken to that are in that niche. But since then, you know, once you know about it, you do tend to just spot, you know, other other businesses within the market and other areas where a similar augmented reality concept could actually work quite well. Um, but I think there's quite a bit of investment to go into the equipment for that sort of thing uh, it's a lot of drones and shit like that but um and then obviously it's a whole new sort of ball game it's getting the team behind you to really launch you know quite a specialist niche service like that isn't it yeah so it's probably so quite yeah. a long wait of return on investment <coughs> as well i'd imagine so yeah you know i don't know i don't know the sort of the, the numbers behind um behind it but i'd imagine you know you're not going to be sort of selling your services at sub 10 grand, surely 15, 20, I'd probably say or more to put your business venue, you know, properly online for people to see. I'd imagine so anyway, mm. it could be a million miles away, but, um, but yeah, with that sort of, you know, service price point goes back to my, my, my point about budgets earlier. You can't be, you can't be coming into that sort of market with a 500 pound a month ad budget yeah. trying to find 10 grand clients. So, you know, you do need a lot more, a lot more capital for that. But, um, but yeah, it's an interesting, very interesting sort of topic, actually. That's where, so that's where you want to take this then, really. If in, even though you don't really want it to go that way. you can't. It's going to go that way, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know that concept in Minority Report, Minority Report movie, uh, there's like adverts mm. that they see that, like billboards are contextual to them. So it's like scrolling past on a feed, but it's actually changed to who's looking at the ad. Imagine that combined with VR and then where they've got more data about you as well, where they can just give you contextual, like <clears throat> they'll put you in, into an ad, into like a memory. <laughs> like they don't even design. <laughs> they don't even design the fucking the the space. They yeah. put you into your family home, like by the fire with your nan or something like that. Jesus like, and then and then your nan tells you the advertisement. <laughs> like like wow. Geico Insurance is only ninety nine pounds a month now. Like grandson sort of thing. Like imagine when the ads are like that level. Dear, dear, it sounds dear like Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like the ultimate Black Mirror event. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you look at um, I think it's called like uh, GTA. I think it's called like Role Play something. Something that I've noticed is really blowing up. It's going back to sort of the virtual reality side of things. There are people living lives in these video <laughs> games, and what I only literally just found out recently is they're, they're actually advertisers running ads on billboards for example within this gta roleplay world and uh, to put that into into context i think the concept behind it is people literally have jobs that they log in to their computer and they they'll just live out like a very basic like 
Burger King job, but on GTA, <laughs> it's really weird. Like, it's a really weird. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. I'm it's a really that. weird concept, but people literally will like live their lives in this game, talk to each other. There's like policemen, firefighters, and and these literally this is that this is these guys' lives pretty much. So that they're earning money within the game, sort of similar to what you said, where mm. they've got everything they need at home, like in the real world, but their life is is there in that in that more virtual in that more virtual space. So. There are actually advertisers running ads to those people for certain, you know, just things, products, services in the real world, but in that GTA environment. Mm, and for me, like, yeah, we, we don't do anything along those lines <clears throat> yet, obviously. But um, but again, that's something that, that really sort of blows my mind a little bit yeah. in terms of, you know, people are actually taking the real world and what they're selling here into these stupid little games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to advertise them but mm. at the end of the day it's the only way that you're going to find these people isn't it because yeah. if their head's always in this game they're not going to be on Instagram and Facebook so much they're going to be on you know in this virtual world 24-7 but I just couldn't believe how serious these guys take some of these games and like yeah it just looks a little bit a little bit bizarre but, but each to their own for sure <laughs> got a lot of time on your hands <laughs> <laughs> it's more just it's literally more just seeing things pop up isn't it on like TikTok and yeah and, I do try and limit my, my time on those platforms, but you've got to sort of enjoy yourself, haven't you, sometimes? Yeah, I mean, you've also got to see what's going on. Check out the Definitely. algorithms. Yeah. Like, Definitely. Like, my, my journey with TikTok is literally, you, you have to watch to see what's, like, the new trend in things and, and all these, and the way that people do their videos. How are they doing it? How can I make my videos? Like, And that's yeah. obviously a massive thing for you as well, because you've got to see what, is getting people's attention. <clears throat> what's next yeah. up? Yeah, what's next up? Quite literally. And, and also your own brain of how your own brain reacts to certain videos. Oh, that yeah. that video kept me for this amount of time. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, I think you know you mentioned algorithms. That's quite that's quite a, an important point because they do change. And as much as being on TikTok isn't work, it always sort of is in 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 a way because. You know, whenever you're, whenever I'm on these platforms, there is something to learn. I may see something. I may see an ad, for example, that I think, damn, that caught my attention. Yeah. I need to <clears throat> take that, rework it, make it better, and push that for myself, sort of mm. thing. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite difficult actually to find that sort of balance, also between obviously actually working within social media. Our job is literally to be on Instagram, and Facebook all the time, and I don't need to go into any depth on how many distractions come with that yeah. naturally. Um, you know, God bless iOS and Apple letting you have like work mode on your phone. Otherwise, <laughs> it would be difficult. It would be difficult to sort of just stay on top of work alongside just so many different distractions. And we, know, we do manage over sort of 10, 15 different businesses, Facebook, Instagram profiles. So we are literally on you know, social media 24 seven. We're interacting with new customers via Instagram, via Facebook. Naturally, we're running ads on Instagram, on Facebook for our own lead generation services and so on. So, so yeah, I think it's um, it's quite important to sort of get that that balance between sort of, you know, having fun on, on social media and then just focusing on, on work. But once you get into a routine, as I said, I think it's pretty straightforward. Mm. But yeah. So one question I did want to ask you. Yeah. Andrew Tate has had like a big come up recently. Um, I don't know if you if you want to talk about it. No, yeah, we can. Yeah. I actually, I knew this was going to come up. I actually thought, <laughs> I thought this was going to come up. And I didn't know if I should mention it or not. Personally, I'm a big fan 
of his strategy. I'm not a supporter in any way of Andrew Tate personally. Um, and I don't really value too many of his views. Um, I do think he's a little bit of a loose head. Uh, and he does obviously do a lot of what he does just for his public image, which sort of leads back around to his strategy. But his sort of rise pretty much to the very top of publicity within Facebook and Instagram, I think is, is well, you know, I praise it. Now, this guy wasn't running paid ads. This guy was really, really smart with the way that he wanted to find people. So he's got obviously his main Instagram page. Now, the reason that you would just constantly see Andrew Tate videos in the space is because he just built an army of people to create a million fan accounts, basically, in his name. So there'll be so many. Just take this, take that, Andrew this, Andrew that. I can't remember his company's name, Hustlers University. It's a little bit cringe, but, but you know, you'd see all these accounts in that name, not managed by him. And it would also say not affiliated with Andrew Tate in any way. So it just looks like this guy has got fans already. Now, secretly, the chances are they were just sort of team members or just, you know, really loyal fans. They were affiliates, from, though. From doing... Yeah what, yeah, what I mean is obviously, to begin with, they would have been affiliates. Mm. But obviously, once he's built that community, once he's got that following, yeah. he then just sort of finds, oh, okay, cool. These guys now want to do the same thing. And as you said, you know, it goes into that sort of affiliate model where you are literally taking a small commission for selling his, his, his sort of Hustlers University course. But it's the actual sort of amount, the quantity of, of these Instagram and Facebook yeah. pages that just appeared overnight literally overnight and then you're forced to see them instagram and facebook's algorithm can't protect you from you know a thousand andrew tate accounts that are all just you know abiding by the typical instagram you know algorithm and restrictions and so on so they are going to put that content in front of you and even if you don't like andrew tate and you block it you're going to see the <laughs> you're going to see the next affiliate account and the next fan account and so on so that's what sort of just got him that level of exposure out there. You'd literally scroll and you wouldn't be able to scroll through like five reels on Instagram without seeing some stupid short five to 10 second clip of Andrew talking about, you know, how he made his millions or, or, or his Bugatti and yeah. all this crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I do, I do really sort of praise it. As I said, the actual strategy, I don't know obviously how much actual paid work went behind those campaigns because, you know, I don't have access to that sort of information, but but from what I saw on an organic perspective and just the sheer amount of pages, man, that this guy had just appear over such a short period of time. And then obviously to have Instagram and Facebook ban him, Twitter ban him temporarily, that only sort of just helped. Yeah, There's more yeah. publicity, you know, it's it's now, okay, we can't hear it from him via Facebook, Instagram, you know, so and so. Where did we hear about him? No, in the in the news, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy actually made the news for being kicked off a social media platform. I think that's nuts, personally. You know, I think that's nuts. So, you know, in in in, in my opinion, I don't really uh I can't fault his strategy, but but I think his opinions and his views on certain things I think are very debatable but um we'll save that for another day <laughs> i think yeah. But, yeah from what you can tell with instagrams say because instagram deleted him i don't think that they they're 
policies or whatever was right for banning him. So, right. but even even though that um, they banned him, like you said, like he was still everywhere just because of these reasons. Because he's mm. he was <clears throat> he built this sort of following, which they just were just churning out all of his videos. And it's like, how do you stop that? There's no way of stopping that. You got to do a blanket ban. You got to ban him everywhere and just say anything affiliated to this is banned because, like, it wasn't one account; it was loads of accounts. Mm. And I think he just mastered the craft of saying really controversial shit that people ended up watching, and and he also gave gave people an incentive to share it. You know, they were getting say it's like fifty dollars a month. They were getting half of the first month's payment for every person that signed up. I think was part of their. It was scheme. it was crazy. I mean, the the incentive behind working as an affiliate for this guy was was pretty it's yeah. pretty strong. It was pretty high, but obviously, you know, all those people, I suppose, they were just money driven. They were yeah. just trying to obviously just make a few buck on the side. But I just couldn't get over the sheer mass of of accounts. And obviously, as you said, when this guy got banned, deleted, he hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> no. All those other pages are still there, and Instagram and Facebook would have to have a really big reason to do sort of what you said and yeah. just do a complete affiliation ban with the guy mm. you'd have to have some quite good reason in there um yeah. and i don't feel like they had quite enough to ban him in the first place to be honest i think that was very 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 media orientated mm. pressurized by the media yeah. pressurized <clears throat> about what people were saying about him about his views and i think that meta as a whole probably just felt a little bit pressured yeah into getting him off their platform temporarily but um but yeah, it is, it is an interesting topic. Was there anything that you saw in that whole uprise which you like took on for yourself? or I wouldn't say take on for myself. Um, just more interesting. I certainly, yeah, I certainly sort of saw, as I said, the value in his sort of strategy, the sheer just number of pages. I keep saying it, but he really does have a lot of, of affiliate pages. Uh, and it's just that time frame that he managed to, to build it up in. Yeah. just seemed absolutely crazy and um something that actually sort of just that did sort of cross my mind the other day someone mentioned uh the andrew tate song to me i was like what the fuck's the andrew tate song and it's that soundtrack that you hear over any andrew tate video i think it's like a sort of an indian orient uh, uh, indian originated song and it's like there's it's no like singing in it yeah it's like a theme song that guy's made it his and someone actually came to me saying, oh, yeah, have you heard the Andrew Tate song? I'm thinking, oh, is he sung a song or something? No, it's just that one tune that is on every single ad creative post yeah. video. I mean, I saw a video on him and like a nightclub was actually playing it to introduce this guy. And it's yeah. not even his song. So that just shows the power yeah. of the, um, the sheer mass marketing that he's actually done to sort of say, you know, and he's actually built that sort of song into his to, to become his own it's a little bit sort of mind-bending for me mm. um and again I, I, you can only praise it because it is just marketing it's that sort of initial if i listen to that song now you do think about it you take and i don't think many people would disagree with me there so you know that's just that's a long-term marketing plan that's free <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so i mean andrew tate is one thing but like i mean is there anyone who you like sort of look up to in the space or that someone who's done something in the space, mm -hmm. which you're other than Andrew Tate, um, that you actually like? Yeah. I mean, 
I don't look up to Andrew Tate. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, if you don't look up <laughs> to Andrew Tate. Just be absolutely yeah, clear. Yeah. I mean, I think if I, if I was to sort of pull out one person in terms of inspiration, other than the cliche, my own dad, it would be, and that's obviously in my space. Um, there's an influencer figure called Ayman Gazi. No, I mean, he, yeah, yeah Ayman Gazi or Carl Gazi, something like that. Now, I've been following him for quite a while. So had Taylor, business partner, and he's in a very, very similar niche to us or he wasn't a very similar niche the guy now is i don't think he i don't think he's even hit like 22 23 yet and he's like worth millions like millions it's massive inspiration um and he actually got into the space at a much younger age and he's just grown like crazily but um one of the reasons that i sort of find him quite an inspiration is again because it's a very very sort of similar business model that he initially ran in terms of the, the situations and issues that he initially faced from obviously just following him his youtube videos and that sort of thing um that actually helped me personally a lot in terms of you know educationally <clears throat> yeah. understanding more about how to actually run an agency because you know we can't forget that i literally sort of started iron gate while at uni so it was a very part-time thing and i'd never run a proper business before sort of so to speak so i was a rookie uh, and I still would say, you know, I wouldn't go to the length of saying I'm a rookie still now, naturally, but, you know, you're still learning. You're always going to have, you know, more room to sort of learn and to improve your practices and so on. So it was really just his information, his experiences that I sort of found that I could relate to. Um, and then when, you know, he's sort of pushing as, as much sort of consistent content as he was at the time that was very, 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 very valuable, you know, you do just sort of generate and build I like you know for the guy and and, and um, what he's achieved is 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 pretty inspirational in terms of the agency space. He actually started a social media agency and then went on to sort of help people start their own agencies. And now the guy's got his own uh, complete CRM sort of platform, lead management platform, and he's basically just sort of taken the very sort of vertical approach in terms of okay, cool, I've got, you know, a, a social agency. How can I then sort of, you know, take that to the next step in terms of, you know, slightly switching my market, slightly switching my angle now, going from consumers to actual business owners. And then once you sort of understood how can I, you know, improve on the business owner side of things in terms of helping <coughs> them start an agency, it's, well, I'll give them, I'll give them a CRM. I'll give them a yeah. lead generation platform. So he's just sort of step by step just sort of taking every single step in terms of that business or client's acquisition process and just giving it to them. And he was a smart guy, man. He's a very, very smart guy. But um, He talks about the agency being like a stepping stone to absolutely essentially teaching and then to software. Mm -hmm. I mean, he sort of, yeah, he says like in, in his, um, I mean, I watched a fair few of his videos, not so much of late, but... Um, in sort of the more recent one that I watched, he was just sort of mentioning how that initial agency set up and, and sort of growth process, as you said, is that sort of stepping stone to then being able to go, right, you know, I've done this for three or four years. He did generate some crazy results for, for some of his clients. And then, you know, what's the next step? Well, I can now help people do that sort of thing, you know, help other people that perhaps were in his position. Uh, the guy, you know, his actual background does come from, uh, I think, sort of poverty, you know, very, very limited access to, you know, just general, you yeah. know, uh, resources and stuff as a kid. So that's certainly where his drive came from. Um, but no, I respect it all the same, for sure, for sure. But um, what, um, 
what would be like your biggest goal for a company to work with? I mean, I think the biggest, I mean, the biggest goal is always going to be obviously uh, to, to, to maximize and generate as much revenue and to obviously make that business to business relationship as sustainable and long term as possible. Um, but the only way to do that, as I said, is, is to be generating results. But I mean, maybe just to alter your question there slightly in terms of what would be the ideal business to work with. Um, I'd go as far as sort of saying, you know, a company that does understand the value of Facebook and Instagram advertising. Now, I appreciate my role is to help business owners understand, perhaps if they are a little bit sort of clouded on the subject, how it can benefit them. But in an ideal world, someone that knows or a company that knows the value that Facebook and Instagram ads can bring to their business and understands, again, the sort of requirements in terms of advertising budgets and actually has that budget um, is pretty much sort of what we look for. The biggest limitation that we find, um, obviously with, with most with most services, let alone social media marketing, it is money. It's always going to come down to you know pricing or ad spend budget. So as long as they've got a good idea on sort of what they should be spending and they're, if they're fairly clued up, it makes our life so much easier than having to sort of explain to them what social media is before then obviously implementing a strategy and explaining that strategy. Um, and obviously, naturally, that just sort of becomes a little bit unproductive if you're having to go around in circles explaining, you know, this is what we're, we're doing for you. This is the value. This is that. This is that. Whereas if they just know, cool, Ollie, you're going to be running our ads. We want to hit, you know, an X by, you know, month two, month three, month four, whatever. Here are your objectives. Here's your targets crack on with it that's a perfect situation for us and obviously in terms of businesses e-commerce niche always would be our sort of preference and then we do off offer service-based lead generation services for either corporate or um well service-based individuals or businesses as well but um do you not have a, like yeah. a dream business that you want to work with in terms of dream business i think it's not not specifically. I think, you know, when we see an awesome product, or when we when we jump into a call with someone that's got, you know, a really niche product, I get excited. You know, I get really excited, man. But there's not sort of, you know, something that we're out there hunting for, so to speak. I think it's more we're out there hunting for the, the businesses that are struggling and that and that, that do need our expertise. Um but as I said, you know, as a rule of thumb preference, it is going to be a company in that e-commerce niche. And we do work or tend to work really well with sort of tech based products. So, you know, maybe an innovation sort of in the future that's that's sort of a new tech based product or something along those lines would probably be my ideal, you know, client to work with in terms of an interest in the product and obviously, you know, that sort of thing. But um, but as I said, with, with who we work with and how we choose who we work with, it's a lot more based on, you know, do they have the resources? Can they give us what we need? And then obviously, are they realistic about what, you know, our, our working relationship is going to be like? Because, you know, you can't, you don't hire a builder and, and you know, doesn't turn up with no tools sort of thing. You know, you need to give us the resources to get you results. Otherwise, it's it's not going to be a great sort of working relationship. So we do certainly look at that probably a little bit more at the moment than sort of you know what and and what or how the service works or product is cool i think that was a really good chat guys that was a really good chat mate thank you so much for coming on yeah no it's, it's been good i mean uh first time on a podcast so yeah. 
Hopefully it's not gone too bad. How do you Mate, think you it went? Did really well. You think? Really, really well, good. Yeah. 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 But yeah, <laughs> thank so you everyone thing. for listening to the Open Minded Podcast. We'll see you again next time.